passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This episode, episode 168, for the love of the game, on the Believe Podcast Network is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline remains to be the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines, finds reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head over to BetOnline today. Use your mobile device or your desktop. Join today and make your first sports bet. Use promo code BLEAVE50. That's B-L-E-A-V-5-0 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, B-L-E-A-V-5-0. Get 50% on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. With that said, episode 168, for the love of the game, let's get this work. Welcome back, welcome back. Episode 168 for the love of the game with yours truly, ATH. We're back at it today, and the Major League Baseball trade deadline has come and gone. We'll talk about it in a little bit. Still a little light on the sports calendar, even though we are now in August, getting closer to NFL season, but I don't rush summertime. A wise man such as Dave Portnoy said, you don't rush summertime, you soak in every moment that summer brings, and I subscribe to that. So yeah, for right now, the sports calendar, it's a little light. It's a little light. I mean, baseball's in full swing. The Yankees are really good. The Mets are really good. They're both going to be in the mix. So for New York baseball, exciting, exciting times. Quick note on Donovan Mitchell. No new news regarding Donovan Mitchell. Reports say that it is pretty certain that he will not re-sign after his contract is up with Utah Jazz. We knew this already, all right? Nothing new here. The Knicks are at a stalemate. And then obviously, because of all this talk, naturally the R.J. Barrett conversation comes up. We have graphics showing his year three stats versus the likes of 
Giannis Antetokounmpo, Jimmy Butler, and Paul George, and Kawhi Leonard, and RJ's counting stats were better than all those guys in year three. Great. Wonderful. I don't care, all right? I don't care what those graphics say. Why? Because I watch the games, okay? I don't think RJ Barrett will ever be the number one player on a team that wins 45 to 50 games consistently. The number one option. I just don't, okay? I like RJ Barrett as a player. I really do. But I'm sorry. I just don't buy it. I don't care what the stats say. And my friends who are RJ Barrett stands who wouldn't trade him for anybody will send me the same stupid graphics over and over again. And guess who doesn't care? I don't. Now, having said that, I wouldn't trade R.J. Barrett five first-round picks and another young player to get Donovan Mitchell. I think that's too much. Would I trade R.J. Barrett, Evan Fournier, and another young player and two picks to get Donovan Mitchell? Yes. Why? Because Donovan Mitchell is basically an all-NBA player who's top four in fourth-quarter scoring the last five seasons, okay? There's levels to this. I don't ever think R.J. Barrett is going to get to that level. I don't care what the counting stats in year three alongside Jimmy Butler or Kawhi Leonard or Giannis, what they look like, okay? I don't care. I don't care. The way some Knicks fans talk about R.J. Barrett, it's it's insane to me. It's absolutely insane. And again, I like R.J. Barrett. I just don't think he's the second coming of LeBron James. It's nuts. Absolutely nuts. So yeah, Major League. Baseball trade deadline, it was an active day. Everybody was making deals. I mean, the headliner was Juan Soto goes to the Padres for a bunch of prospects. Again, I am not well-versed in San Diego Padres baseball and how great those prospects were, but I kind of wish that the New York Yankees would have traded Volpe or Dominguez or one of those guys to the Nationals for Juan Soto because I think Juan Soto is that special, but whatever. You really can't get too mad about the Yankees' deadline, all in all. I mean, they got an outfielder, Andrew Benatendi. It would be nice if he actually got a hit. He's like one for his first 20 as a Yankee. That's not great. It would be really nice if he actually played to the back of his baseball card this year. But they got an outfielder. They got Montez, the pitcher from the Oakland Athletics who's really good against the Astros. Does it make me a little nervous that he's coming from a pitcher-friendly park to a more hitter-friendly park? Yes, but he's got good stuff. And again, he pitches really well against the Astros, which is their main competition. So you got to like that. They got two relievers. They brought in a Jewish guy from the Cubs. Shout out to him. He looks nice. So the Yankees did well at the trade deadline. No complaints there. As for the Mets, well, they made no big moves yesterday. And Mets fans were mad. Big mad were the Mets fans yesterday. And they're basically becoming unhinged on Twitter. It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. And this is knowing that they were getting Jake DeGrom back. Now, I understand why Mets fans were mad. You have DeGrom. You have Scherzer. You made all these moves in the offseason to go for it. You don't know how much longer Scherzer and DeGrom are going to be as great as they were. And by the way, DeGrom was incredible last night. Five innings. 56 pitches, struck out six, gave up one run. Like, he's so good, it's scary. But relax, Mets fans, relax. You still have the two best pitchers in baseball. And that being the case, you are are still, in my opinion, the most dangerous postseason team. 
in a playoff series. Do you want to see Scherzer and DeGrom twice in a playoff series? Best out of seven? No. No, you don't. So I understand why Mets fans are mad. But simmer down. It's not that big a deal. It's not that big a deal. And of course, the Mets don't score any runs for Jacob DeGrom last night. And he gets a no decision. They ended up losing. So Mets fans add that insult to injury. And they were just... They were on one last night on Twitter. It was pretty funny to watch. But, yeah, so that's the Major League trade deadline. Interesting stuff. It will be interesting to see what happens with the Yankees and the Mets down the stretch. Both are going to be in the mix. It's a good time for New York baseball. We'll see about the Donovan Mitchell to the Knicks trade. If it materializes, it seems to me like it's going to be a lot like the James Harden for Ben Simmons swap. It'll just take some time, but it'll get done. That's my personal feeling. And uh, yeah, we're going to bring on a recurring guest to talk about a couple of different topics, including last night's episode of The Bachelorette, which was pretty bad, pretty, pretty bad. We're going to talk about it. We may talk a little Giants, a little Knicks, and we can get to him in just a matter of moments. So I tease in the monologue. I've got a recurring guest on tonight to talk about a couple of different topics. He's very versatile. Shy Elberger is back. Shy, what's going on? How are we doing? We're, we're doing well. Um, you know, I can smell football season upon us. So I, I kind of come out of my, my hiding that I'm in for uh, since February till now. I start to come out, see my shadow, and uh, we're, we're five weeks from week one. Savor summer. You have to savor it, especially living in the Northeast. You have to savor it. I, I don't understand people who rush summer. But anyway, I know that you've been dying to talk Bachelorette for a couple of weeks now. Because we talk offline, you love talking about The Bachelorette. I love how much thought you put into it. But before we get into The Bachelorette, obviously because you are a Giants fan and you are like my Giants insider, so training camp has started. Is there anything important to learn from uh, training camp? Like, give me something here. Anything of note? So I will just say at a, at a high level, and unfortunately this has applied to the Giants many times in the last 10 years, but when there's a whole new coaching regime and a whole new offense coming in, the offense typically looks bad in training camp and, you know, even early in the season. Uh, I remember, not that Eli Manning ever really had great training camps, but I remember when Ben McAdoo took over and that was a whole new offense that Eli's training camp that summer was particularly bad, just throwing multiple picks every day. And then he ended up having a pretty good statistical season the next couple of years with McAdoo. So um, I know those are kind of like the reports coming out so far. Offense has been a little sloppy, but I think that's to be expected. The thing that I'm really excited for is Kadarius Toney. Um, I, I just pray that he stays healthy to start the season and then throughout the season. I think he has a really, really special skill set and, and ceiling. Uh, I don't want to make an Odell comparison because no one had the rookie season Odell had, and they're not really the same player. But I do think Kadarius Tony has Tyreek Hill-ish skills, and um, I'm looking forward to seeing that. And the only other thing I'll mention is um, Wondell Robinson, the second-round pick receiver, who admittedly I was – not so uh, high on that draft pick due to his size. He's five foot eight, um, but it really does seem like they drafted him with a specific vision in mind, 
and he's been all over the field, been heavily targeted, been getting uh, carries, lining up in the backfield. Uh, it really does seem like him uh, and Tony are going to be on the field a lot together uh, with Galladay. And uh, I'm excited to see what that offense looks like uh, because we're really going to see actual offense, like forward passes, uh, non-QB sneaks. Uh, I, I think we're going to see something that the Giants haven't seen in quite some time, which is you know, receivers running open across the field and some actual you know, offensive plays that make sense. No more end arounds to Evan Ingram uh, at the two-yard line for a loss of six. Um, and so we'll, we'll see. Hopefully you just got to stay healthy for the season. Does it, does the quarterback have any ability to throw those forward passes and actually complete them? You, you know, I'm a little higher on Jones than most. I do think he has, uh, a, a higher ceiling than what he has shown so far. Will he realize that? I hope so, but I, I'm not confident and I'm also not confident he'll stay healthy. But I do think he has it in him with a better coaching staff and offensive line and receivers uh, to play better than he has at any point so far. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. Any re- before we go to the next topic, any reports on, on Barkley in terms of how he looks? Yeah, they. I mean, it's what you would expect the team to say at this point. Uh, but what they are saying, uh, Dable said it yesterday, was that he just looks really explosive and fresh. And, you know, we are at this point, like almost two years removed from the ACL. Uh, Last summer at this time, he was still rehabbing. He wasn't practicing even. And so, you know, it's all well and good. He's healthy until he's not. You know, he was healthy two years ago until he tore his ACL. You know, fifth quarter of the season. So, you know, I'm encouraged that he looks good now. uh, but, But August is not when the Giants need him to look good. He needs to, you know, play, you know, multiple games in a row before he gets injured, not get injured at all. You know, just give me 13, 14 games. You know, don't, you know, he, he looks good now. That's all I'll say. He looks great now. The test is, will he stay healthy? And, you know, the last, set, you know, since his rookie year, he hasn't. So I will tell. But, you know, Barkley, Jones uh, are are literally on the, you know, the last years of their deal playing for a contract, but you can add other players to that group who the giants can cut with minimal penalty after the season. So they are essentially also playing for their contract. That's Leonard Williams, uh, who I'll also say by all accounts, um, I've read, he has looked like the best player on the team so far. Uh, Kenny Galladay, as you know, they can get out of that after the season. So big year for him. Thank goodness. Blake Martinez, Sterling Shepard. So there's a lot of actual, you know, core players that are playing for contracts. I, I'm ready to wish goodbye to uh, Kenny Galladay. Um, uh, uh, we did, we disagree on that one also, um, but we'll see what this season. Well, we could talk about the Giants later on. One more quick sports question before we get on to the Bachelorette. Uh, there's been a lot of Donovan Mitchell to the Knicks tr- talk. Um there subsequently has been a lot of R.J. Barrett debate. Would you include R.J. Barrett in a Donovan Mitchell trade? And at what point is too much for you for trading for Donovan Mitchell? So, you know, interesting way that you phrase that first question with you know a lot of talk of Mitchell to the Knicks, which has sparked 
R.J. Barrett debate. But the issue, the thing is, R.J. Barrett is not going to be a part of this deal. It seems like you know, ninety-nine point nine percent, and that's because it seems like the Knicks are not going to trade him, which I do agree with. But maybe more importantly, I don't think the Jazz want him because of the salary he's due when he signs his, you know, rookie mega max or whatever they're called these days. And the Jazz are shedding salaries and rebuilding. They're not going to want to trade for a player who after yeah, the but season is going to be yeah, I'm, not, I'm not so sure I believe that because eventually they're going to have to pay somebody. So if well, they I think they would want all these, these draft picks they got over the next seven years or, you know, whenever they trade Mitchell, they're going to have like, you know, 15 first round picks over the next seven years. I think those are the guys they're going to want to draft and then eventually pay. Kind of like I think maybe what the Thunder have been doing. You know, they, they, they basically weren't paying anyone, just drafting people. And then Shea got his big contract. And then they finally they paid Dork this offseason, uh, which I, that was a big contract. And I think, you know, in the ne- over the next few years, they'll continue to pay their guys. Um, so I, I just it, – it, what I've read, you know, it's not like I know anything, obviously, but it doesn't seem like they actually want RJ. So – I am high on RJ. As you know, you know, we're in this group chat. We defend RJ uh, to some of the haters. Um, but, you know, there's also something to be said for trading a guy you hope becomes an all-star for a guy who's currently an all-star. So if you were telling me it's RJ for Mitchell straight up, obviously I'd do that. I, that would not be the trade. So at what point, and this goes with or without RJ, is too much to your, to your second question. And, you know, those reports of what the Jazz were seeking, which was, you know, quickly top in Grimes and six first round picks is too much. That's just too much. You know, you're giving up nine premium assets for one all-star. And and it's not only is it too much, but then the other side is what are you then, what are you left with? And you have Mitchell and Brunson and, you know, Randall, I guess. But like... A, that's not really a great threesome. Two, you really don't have anyone else that can. I mean, Fournier. I mean, is Fournier now like your fourth piece? Like well, no, Fournier would have to be in the trade to make the money. So he would have to right for money, right? So that so it's it's you know nine assets plus Fournier. So like, where's the rest of your scoring come from? It just doesn't seem like a really good trade. Um, now, where do you draw the line? It's hard because depending on you know which players and picks you include. I would love if there was any chance in hell, which doesn't seem possible, to be able to keep Obi. Um, even though, unfortunately, with Randall here, he's still Obi's going to be, you know, relegated to twenty minutes a game. Um, you have, we, you know, we hope Randall somehow gets traded sometime. But um, you know, let's say Obi's included, so it's Obi quickly, and maybe you try to keep Grimes. Although it seems like the Jazz want him, so Grimes and three first round picks. Four first round picks, you know, I could start to stomach that depending on also which picks, if they're the protected ones versus the Knicks own picks, which are not protected. Um, you know, that matters. Um, yeah. You know, you could start to trade, uh, you know, picks in 2029 20, or, you know, uh, to me, honestly, uh, and, I, and I think all Knicks fans who have been, you know, suffering for 22 years, you know, you give up a first round pick in 2029. 20, it's like kind of meaningless to us, you know, what seven years from now to get a, to, to, you know, help us get a guy like Mitchell. We'll take that any day, but a team like the jazz, 
you know, they're accumulating future picks. Um, so, you know, the line is out of quickly Grimes and Toppin. Ideally, I would give up only two out of those three. And then in terms of the picks, I think I'm okay with, you know, up to four uh, picks. I think two of those players and four first round picks. I would be happy with that trade if they threw in a fifth pick, you know, depending on the pick. Yes, it's a lot. It's definitely a lot. But the other thing is you're hoping that Mitchell is not the final piece that kind of results from this trade. Is Mitchell going to be a guy where next summer someone else wants to come here because the Knicks have Mitchell and Brunson and, you know, whoever else, whatever else is going on. So that to me, like, you can't even evaluate whether or not the trade ended up being good. If it, you know, we have to see if another guy ends up coming and then we could say like, okay, we overpaid for Mitchell, but in the grand scheme, it was worth it because we got so-and-so. I don't even know who, you know, I think we're way too early to know who's available next summer, but as we've seen, any superstar can become available at any point. So, you know, I want Mitchell. I, I do agree. There is a line that that first offer that was reported the jazz made is too much. Um, but something that's a lot is going to be needed and I think acceptable. I am on record saying I still believe that R.J. Barrett would be in the deal, uh, the centerpiece of the deal. Um, under that premise, I think Barrett and another young player plus three picks, I don't think that's crazy at all. Um, I don't think that's crazy. I mean, Donovan Mitchell's an all-NBA caliber player is 26. Like, those don't grow on trees. He's had the fourth most fourth-quarter points in the league in the last five years. Like, I, he he's that kind of guy. Um, in terms of – yeah, go ahead. I said uh, just quick two points, um, and one of which doesn't really matter to the Knicks per se, but Mitchell is a New York guy from here. You know if he comes here, he'll be a fixture at other sporting events. May, you know, he's gone to a bunch of Mets games. You know he'll be at Rangers. Well, his dad works likely. for the Mets. Right, right, uh, right. And um, But the Knicks obviously don't care about that. The other thing is from a basketball standpoint is I don't think Mitchell and RJ together is the best combination of players on the court no, together. No, not at and, all. Because, hold on one second. I just want to yeah. piggyback off that. Because yep. all the the RJ stands in my life, shout out to uh, friends of the program, Max Klein and Eric Zimmerman, who are talking about RJ Barrett like he's the second coming of LeBron James. They think that, like, if they make this trade for Mitchell and RJ's not involved, that RJ is going to have, like, a monster year. RJ's going to be doing a lot of standing around waiting, watching Brunson and Mitchell handle the ball. Like, he... What do they think he's going to get in terms of usage to really, you know, show all-star caliber potential? Like, it's not happening. Yeah, I, I think that's um, an actual concern that I think most Knicks fans probably don't think about. Um, but, you know, it has – this isn't, you know, the greatest, uh, you know, complementary pairing where it's like, oh, you trade for this guy. They work so well together. Um, it, it, there is definite downside risk to both of them, just like, you know, not playing well together. Now, hopefully they would make it work and some of the coaches would somehow make it work and it would go well. 
Uh, I don't but trust there, the it, coaching staff to do that. No, I, I mean, I don't think any of us have so much faith in, in Thibodeau uh, at this point. But, um, yeah, that, that's a definite um, red risk and red flag of, of trading for Mitchell if Barrett is not included. Yeah, I, I just – I know what the numbers say, and, and you sent that graphic about, you know, RJ in year three with compared to – uh, Jimmy Butler, Giannis, and I think Kawhi. I, I just I don't see him being the centerpiece of a team that's going to win 45 to 50 games on a consistent basis. I just don't. And I know that Donovan Mitchell, since the day he got to the league, was the best player on a team that has made the playoffs every year and was the best player in a playoff series that included a still really good Russell Westbrook and in his prime Paul George. So it's like, there are levels to this. So, yeah, I would trade R.J. Barrett for that guy, assuming that you're not giving up two other good young players and all your picks in the swaps. That's just my thinking. But, hey, whatever. It would be interesting to see uh, the fan base reaction because, as you know, the Knicks fans are dying for Mitchell. But if the news breaks and it's Barrett in the trade, it's going to be a very – mixed reaction i believe because there are a lot of knicks fans like uh like our friends who are very very high on rj barrett it's okay to be high on rj barrett i think he's good i just do you see all nba in his future because if you do then fine like whatever if you don't then i just i just don't see it I, i don't know what it is i just don't see it but that's just me all right so i wanted to get into the bachelorette the meat and potatoes of tonight, because you've been waiting to talk about this for a while. So I want to start here. Obviously, this season's very different. We've got two bachelorettes. What are your thoughts so far? Just high-level thoughts. I know you've been writing notes. I know you've been extremely (laughs) prepared for this. Give me your high-level thoughts to start. Just overall thoughts on the season. Yes, so first of all, you know, I told you I was writing notes in confidence. I did not think that was going to be shared. Um, I think it should be applauded. It should be applauded. <laughs> they, I, it really feels like they like decided last minute to make two bachelorettes. Then they had a staff meeting to figure out how the show was going to go. No one did anything. No one had a good idea. And so they just said like, all right, we'll start the series and then we'll kind of play it as it goes. And when we are not sure what to do, we'll tell Rachel and Gabby that they can do whatever they want since it's their journey. But we don't really have a great plan. And there's just been so many things that have happened in the first few episodes where you're like, how do they not see this coming? Or they did see it coming and they knew it was going to create a lot of sadness and, um, um, you know, just people are not sure what's going on and you know jesse's taking roses back from people and they're just like there's no there's no like set plan didn't seem like a lot of thought went into this and then the dates have also been like pretty bad like not just low cost but low quality and not entertaining and very just not fun to really even watch dates activities uh, so I mean, well, we're going to talk about so, one of them yeah. later on. That was maybe the worst that the show has ever produced. Yeah. So it's, I mean, am I watching and enjoying it? 
yes, I am. Uh, but it, from like the characters' perspectives, and also and also watching it, just you know, it just seems like I'm I'm sitting there watching and be like, well, obviously that was going to happen because of the way they set this up, and everyone seems to be like not knowing what's flying. Um, but we'll 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 talk about the more specific stuff as we go. So you talked about the caliber of dates, right? We'll 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 start yes. there. How does Rachel, in terms of just one-on-one dates, how does Rachel go with one guy to a movie theater, right? A fake movie theater premiere and look at basically a picture slide. That's one date. And then the next date that she's on, she's in Paris gallivanting around. Yeah, I mean, that... uh, That was crazy. That movie date was just so stupid from the beginning they get this like red carpet invitation but like i i thought there was an actual like event going on that they were going to be like special guests to but it literally seemed like they hired like six people off the street three of them to take pictures while they walked down the red carpet three of them to like cheer them on as if they're celebrities and then they go into this movie theater they're the only two people there it's a movie called uh, whatever you and me or me and you. You and me, and they put and, and they put uh, it on the uh, on the what should we call it on the like the advertisement, and no one was on the oh, street. Yeah, yeah. and uh, then they, uh, they 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 get the bar mitzvah slideshow from the parents, and they put it up for them. And so I mean, and one guy the tr- and the guy cried. I'm even forgetting his name because he hasn't been super yeah. memorable. He cried. Right. I forget his name. I will say though that Rachel seemed to really enjoy the date. Like she, she was, she was um, emotional watching the guy be emotional. Like I truly feel like she thought that was a special moment. We're going to talk about Rachel and emotional because let, let's just say I'm losing it with Rachel and I'm pretty much done. I mean, yeah, also anyway, the, guy this date, the, the guy in this date also is, is you know, they show his mom, uh, you know, records a message for him and he starts to tear up, which is when she like really looked at him and like she got emotional. But like this was episode three. So like he probably saw his mom like a couple of weeks earlier, a few weeks earlier at most. I mean, I love my parents. I don't see them every month. And I certainly wouldn't cry if, like, I, I saw a video message. And I'm also an emotional person. I just don't see how – but I also think they were real tears. Like, I don't think he was faking. So I was just – that was just a weird situation. The whole budget for this date must have been, like, $400. And, um, yeah, I mean, I just – I mean, that came off the heels of Gabby's one-on-one with her grandfather where they went to some, like, emotional healing place. And her grandpa took a nap. So I, I don't know what what's happening. Terrible. I think I think the gap in between the good one-on-one dates and the bad ones is as drastic as we've ever seen it this season. Like comparing those two one-on-one dates that you just mentioned to basically gallivanting around Paris, like is is a huge difference. Yeah, and. Um... And I think, I mean, we haven't spoken about it, but I definitely, the one she went on the one-on-one date in Paris was with uh, Tyler. Um, I think, I think he is, uh, he's my favorite right now. He just seems like, I mean, 
we'll get into it, but he just seems like a kind of like a cool, normal guy. Let me switch gears and ask you a question about Gabby before we get into Rachel, because this was a major Rachel episode. But I want to ask you about Gabby. Do you think Gabby actually likes any of these guys? I um I do think she likes Nate, but I I don't think she will choose Nate because he has a child. Um, but other than that, I, it's hard to tell because also early on on her, her like on her uh, you know alone time with these people, I always felt like it was a horrible interaction between the two of them, and I always thought she was like fake laughing at these people's jokes and like fake having a good time. But then when she's doing her 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 solo camera time, she says, like, you know, I really enjoyed it. We got along so well. He was teasing me. You know, I had a great time. And I'm like, I could have sworn you were faking enjoying that date. So I, I also haven't gotten the feeling that she's, like, really like somebody. She just seems to, like, be very giggly and laughing. And, like, I kind of always think she's faking it. And it doesn't. She hasn't really professed that she's really liked anyone too much. Um, I just, I do think her and Nate have a connection. Uh, I just don't think he's going to win. So I am, I mean, my, my prediction at this point, Anna, I guess it keeps changing. I don't know. It doesn't seem like, you know, Rachel, I guess kind of does like some people a little bit, but yeah, at this point I would be surprised if Gabby got engaged at the end. Cause I have no idea who it would be with. Was, was Gabby better fit for paradise than for this? Because I don't think that this situation, like, with guys just fawning over her, like, I feel like she just sees through that. Like, she needs, like, a little bit of competition. I guess she kind of has it a little bit in Rachel because it's two bachelorettes. But I feel like she needs a little bit more of a challenge as opposed to guys just coming to her. Because for her, it's just like, eh. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, I, I've only watched one season of uh, Paradise, so I feel like I don't have the full uh, knowledge base of, of the type of person that should be on that show. But I, I do hear you, like, it would be fun to see her uh, with, with that kind of uh, competition with other people. But I guess, you know, now her and Rachel have split on uh, their own journeys. And so there is no competition anymore, uh, except for that one guy who seems like he's going to be demanding a trade. Um, yeah. You knew that was going to happen, by the way. I mean, that was like so obvious. I mean, that's that, that's another thing I I, I want to get into at some point on this conversation, but we will in a, in a little bit. Yeah, but yeah. So back to Gabby with the does she like any of these guys? I mean, she talks about how she likes Joseph, who went on the one on one date with in Paris. Um, Joseph or uh, Jason? Was it Joseph? I, it's so hard to remember people's names. No, I'm sorry, Jason. You're right, Jason. So she goes on the on the one-on-one with Jason, right? Seems like it's having a good time. But come the, you know, the sit-down for the dinner, I just, I, I felt no, you know, sexual chemistry or anything there. And that kiss that they had was painfully awkward. Like, her lean-in, everything was just bad. Yeah, her, um... I feel like she's had a lot of kisses. That a lot of awkward weren't. kisses. A lot of awkward kisses. Um, but yeah, I do. It's funny. I, I don't even remember anything memorable about their date. But 
I do feel like uh, I do remember that I, I thinking like he was taking way too long to like initiate a kiss. Like she was clearly waiting for it. Um, she, oh, there, I just uh, found the, the notes I wrote about her one-on-one was she starts out by saying to Jason, I feel like you're pretty reserved. And he simply responds, yeah. <laughs> but I was like, okay, point, absolutely point taken. And But he also, he went into, he had like a little breakdown, right? He said he didn't eat or sleep for three days. Uh, he said he actually had a mental breakdown. And, you know, started going down talking about therapy and that he's in therapy. And like, he, he went down this tangent that I did not see coming. But also Gabby's reactions are just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I, I don't know, like, is this a conversation? Like, is she, are they cutting out parts of the conversation? Because it just seems like they sat down for a nice romantic dinner. He goes out of nowhere saying that he basically has been having a mental breakdown, hasn't eaten or sleeping, or sleeping, eaten or slept. Um, and like, he's been freaking out. And her only reaction to everything is just, yeah. And then they have like an awkward makeout session. And I was just like, whoa, what kind of conversation just took place? Um, but he did get the rose, right? So like, I don't know. I, don't, I guess they felt yeah, they certain point she's going to have to give out roses because then there's going to be I no know. left. I know. I think Jesse's winning right as we stand. Yeah. I mean, um, Jesse's been the big winner of this season so far. He cracks me up because he also doesn't know, I don't think. I think he's like, you know, when uh, when at the rose ceremony, when they're rejecting Rachel, I think someone's like in Jesse's ear and he's like, they're like, uh, yeah, you have to go in and uh, collect a rose for anyone that's rejected. So he just like enters and he's like, uh, Rachel, I'm sorry, but the uh, rules now state that any rose given and not accepted gets confiscated. <laughs> and he's like probably getting it in his ear in real time. Because they didn't anticipate any of this happening. Um, and his, but yeah, his, got, yeah, his speaking French was an unbelievable performance. Uh, what a yeah, performance was, by Jesse! That was a good one. Um, so let me let me ask you this: with this show in general, before we switch gears to Rachel, because yeah, Gabby, I, I don't think likes anybody really. I really don't. Um, have you noticed that there's a lot more emotional distress? And a lot more like emotional baggage from everybody on the show, whether it's contestants or the the girls themselves. There's just a lot of like, you know, there's, there's um, a lot of emotional instability here. Like so everybody's I, got some type of issue. I haven't. We haven't seen though the contestants really like cry, except for the guy that you know his mom told him good luck and he started tearing up. Um, well, and, but, and Jason talking about how he was right. So he's one. Um, I mean, we will get into Rachel's guy with uh, Rambo, the dog. Um, that was that was interesting. Um, but I think I think you know, last season in The Bachelor, Rachel was was a very emotional, big crier, and that has definitely continued through to this season. She has bawled multiple times in each episode uh so i think she is just one of those people who cries a lot and is very emotional um from the guys though i feel like 
I kind of feel like on the flip side, it's overall kind of a boring group. No one's really like standing out. No one's no one's especially funny. You know, no one's the drama, quote unquote, has been basically only because there's two bachelorettes. You know, the the I mean, well, well, that one guy who you know got snitched on for the things that he said, but that's been pretty low compared to past seasons. I feel like. I, I just don't know what to make of this crop of dudes. And maybe it's because the girls, well, Gabby, I don't think really cares for any of them, really. And Rachel, well, she's she's a bit of a mess. So let's let's talk about Rachel for a second. Rachel, over the first two episodes, was clearly the loser, right? Gabby was outshining her. You had the whole situation of guys basically foregoing uh, Rose offers from Rachel because they wanted to pursue Gabby and the whole thing. Then in episode three, Rachel starts winning a little bit. Like the football date, guys are coming after Rachel. But then at the end, still, same kind of thing. She gets left at the altar. This, This episode was basically Rachel becoming a giant red flag. Yes or no? Um, I I didn't feel any sort of shift in my opinion of her. Um, I just, I think, just going back to the rose ceremony where the three guys got offered a rose by her and, and turned her down. And that's what she's really upset about and has you know, spoken about over and over again how painful it was. She should, her anger should be solely directed at the producers of the show. Before the rose ceremony, Jesse comes in and tells the guys, new rule, we have determined, you know, uh, the, they're going on their separate journeys, Gabby and Rachel, that if you accept the rose from either of them tonight, you are committing to, to being or chasing after them and them only. And, you know, there's no more back and forth. So based on that, if a guy is hoping for Gabby or wants to pursue Gabby and Rachel gives them a rose, what choice do they have but to reject the rose? Like the first guy that had to reject it, who I don't even think he was shown this entire series until he got a rose from Rachel that he didn't want. I felt so bad for him. He was, you, his facial expression when she said his name, he was definitely like, please don't pick me. Please don't pick me. And he knew he was going to have to turn it down. But I don't blame him. Jesse just said, you, you have, if you accept it for Rachel, you're going for Rachel. And he didn't want to go for her. So don't Rachel shouldn't be upset at these guys. What what should she have, what what did you prefer? They all said yes. And then three weeks later, when it's after the final five, that's when they tell Rachel, by the way, you know, I really wanted Gabby as of a month ago, but you picked me and I didn't want to embarrass you. So I said yes. Would that not be way more embarrassing and, and worse off? So like I get that she's upset, but it's because the producers put her in such a shitty put the guys in a, a no-win situation. And Rachel and Gabby, it ended up, you know, hurting Rachel more than Gabby. But like, I don't know what, how, why she would be upset at the guys for turning her down. Like, they had to do that in order to be honest. It's the producers that that concocted this plan. Um, okay, that that was. And not, but not get just that, that out for like, a few weeks. But not just that. Like, there are like two or three that really stand out in terms of who liked Rachel the most. Like, right? Yeah. 
That's they're the there. So why should she care about everybody else? A hundred percent. She's it's to me like if I'm Tino or Tyler or um, the other guy that she liked to um, he played football with her. Evan, 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 something like that. The, sa- uh, I forget the, sales, the sales executive. Yeah. You like, can tell is in sales just by like looking at him. If they didn't even say that he was in sales, like you could tell. <laughs> but they all really like her and she really likes them. I, I don't know about all of them, but she definitely likes Tino. And by yes. the end of this episode, she clearly likes Tyler. And like, she's all she does is cry over the people that said no to her like it's so insulting to the people that want her she's like i have nobody am i worth and nobody wants me i'm like you literally have people that want like what do you want what do you want like everyone to like you that's not gonna happen so i i do agree from that standpoint it's a bit annoying uh that she just gets so emotional and like crying how she's gonna you know she's never gonna find someone meanwhile there are guys there that really like her and that she seems to like so I, that is confusing. You're you're right. Um, her uh, one thing when they first of all that ship that they're staying on is immaculate. That looks like is it literally just fourteen people on this monstrous ship? It's unbelievable. But um, when they were boarding the ship, and Nate said, "This is the biggest the biggest thing I've ever been on as a kayak." <laughs> that was pretty funny. I thought that was a, that was a great line. That was a, that was a good line. I I just. I'm very, very frustrated with Rachel. Where I really lost it with Rachel was the boxing match, right? So all the guys are boxing in, in effect and trying to get Gabby's attention, Gabby's heart. And she was and Rachel's complaining like and crying that nobody is looking at her, that nobody is making eye contact with her. It's like they're watching their friends box each other. Like, why the hell would they be looking at you? So, yeah. That was crazy. We actually have somewhat of a difference of opinion here. And I don't disagree with your take. Um, However, she did make it seem like there was not one time in what was probably a multi-hour event where anyone looked at her. And... From her point of view, and I, I think I understand this, and we see like how limited their time is with her. You know, they spend 90% of the time just the guys together in the house. And then they get these random, you know, cocktail hours and, you know, their little bit of one-on-one time, maybe a group date. Uh, and then, you know, one person gets a one-on-one. So I just feel like when you are, when you find yourself in the same space as her, and it's almost like, it's not scheduled. Like it really was a Gabby date. So typically they should all be in the house, everyone else, but like they were there and Rachel was there. So I do see from her point of view, like we got such limited time. We're in the same space for two hours. And that one guy looked at me. I could see why that would be upsetting. Now combine that with that. She's a very emotional person. She already thinks very low of herself. She's not sure if anyone likes her. She's not sure she should be the bachelorette. It just all came together. But I did see where she was coming from. And it almost made me frustrated and annoyed that not one guy thought, like, even by accident, like, looked over and saw Rachel and thought to himself, like, wow, this is like an opportunity where I could maybe even walk over to her and have a conversation that's unplanned, show initiative, 
Um, I was even thinking while the guys who were boxing were giving their uh, speeches to Gabby, like maybe in between rounds, someone on Rachel's side should jump into the ring and start to talk to Rachel. Like I thought that would have shown a real initiative and being proactive. Uh, obviously, none of them did that. None of them even looked at her. So I, I got where she was coming from. Um, I did enjoy, obviously, although it was hard to watch her confronting them that night. And then what followed the next day where they went on the group date was like definitely awkward because everyone knew she was like really mad at them. And then like the people had to run over to give her a hug. Like there's always those few people who like sprint first to give the first hug. But um, that was a little, try hard. that was a little cringe. <laughs> they like, they sprint and like, I must hug you first. Um, but, but that was funny. And then, but then their group date wasn't good, right? That, those were, that was the, the old couple making out for like. Yeah, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because okay, that fine. might have okay. been the, the worst group date in the history of the show. <laughs> but, but back yeah. to the boxing thing. Because yes. we've, we've all, and again, it's in the context of what happened afterwards, but we've all dated a girl that's like ultra needy, where she's like, you know, if you have a reputation of answering texts and phone calls very quickly, and then like one day, maybe it's because you have something else going on, you don't answer super quickly, it sets off all these alarms and these red flags. And like, yeah. it's so annoying, so incredibly annoying. I mean, I just, I just had that situation not that long ago, but yeah, so incredibly annoying. I mean, Rachel, with the, the constant need of attention and need of validation, it seems like, is so unbecoming. Like, how does she not have a little bit higher of a self-esteem? Like, look in the mirror. She's objectively a really pretty girl. You and I think that she's the prettier of the two, even though the producers of the show have not dressed her nearly as well as they've dressed Gabby, which is, I, I don't understand why that's the case. But like this constant need of validation, it, it it's so unbecoming. And, and like, guys are fighting each other. Like, how do you expect to get eyeballs? Yes, so um, just... Quickly on the dressing, Rachel, uh, I did write in my notes that her date with Tino, she definitely was showing some cleavage, which I don't think has happened so far this season. Um, and I thought she looked quite good. Um, back uh, the the val so who who chooses and who comes up with the ideas for the dates? Like, did Rachel have any say in the date being two old French people making out? And then it becoming like whatever no, that date was. Be. So it's like the producers are then forcing this impression of, of her for us to think. Um, and she also like the way she talks is, is about the date. Like, you know, after last night, I thought it would be really important for me to see, you know, how much people profess their love for me. Meanwhile, it's not like they thought and planned up this date like overnight. This is clearly what the date was going to be regardless of what happened the day before. So to, like, to make it seem like the date is a reaction to what happened the night before is just stupidity. Um, which, uh, makes, which makes her reaction to the boxing date and the lack of eye contact even more like just frustrating because yeah, so, it seems so over the top ridiculous that like there's 
the giant mood swing that all of a sudden she was cool with all these guys 12 yeah, hours I, later? I wonder. After you know, being without, so distraught? So without, distraught? <laughs> without knowing her personality, obviously. You know, we don't know. Was she this kind of person before she went on The Bachelor last year? Or did the whole Clayton experience just like really mess her up mentally for the time being? You know, until, you know, she's just, you know, she might be over Clayton, but the whole experience still happened like less than a year ago. So it's not like, so this like time has passed where, you know, she's been in you know, lots of therapy and has gotten over to what I'm sure was a very traumatic experience. So I don't know if that is factoring into this low sense of low self-esteem and sense of worth and seeking validation. But I do agree with you that it is kind of a turnoff and unattractive for someone to just constantly be needing validation and to be told how good they are and how pretty they are and how much they're liked. Like at some point you just, you know, without it having to be spelled out. Um, and I think that's just, you know, I think that's just who she is at this point. Um, and especially it, when, the, as we mentioned before, there's like two or three guys that really right. like her, right? And right. it's super evident. So then what do you care about, like, Joe Schmo, who's, like, eighth on the power rankings, not looking at you because he's focusing on his friend punching his other friend? Right. So where I really feel like that applies uh, was toward the end of the episode with um, Hayden. Uh, and we'll get to – I hope we'll get to Hayden at some point. But that was an instance where Hayden was clearly, like, not – a good person in just a few different ways and it was not going to be the winner had no connection to either of the girls and was just such not a big deal to have him get sent home but when rachel and him were having that conversation at the end where she eventually said to him to leave she was making it seem like this was some heartbreaking decision where she's just getting again so upset you know, every one day is a high and the next day is such a low. I was like, who the hell cares about a Hayden? He's a piece of shit. Just send him home. What is the big deal? He's not in your top five anyway. Right. So like you're, you're, you're getting, you just had a, a great day and now it's all ruined because the number, a last guy remaining is getting sent home because he's a loser. Like who cares? Just send him home. But I mean, not, oh, I, I mean, she didn't even seem upset about it. She was just, she wasn't upset about him leaving. She was upset that like she had to make someone leave. But who cares? Like this guy was was not was a nothing, and he's a small. You, you have to feel so much power in terms of sending somebody home. I'm sure it's got to be feel so great. Like why can't she just do it normally? Yeah, um, I just yeah, I seem to be. I mean, that whole interaction really killed me with her and Aiden at the end. Um, but we'll we'll get to that. So this Rachel group date, though, like what they're – okay, here, here's my question about the show. Is this a classy show or is this a low-class show? Because they have cocktail parties and rose ceremonies where the guys are dressed, you know, 10 out of 10, suit and – Tie tuxedo, looking good. The girls are in these like you know ballroom dresses, and then the group date uh, is guys making out with their fingers. 
like what what are we doing which which end are we appealing to here like okay there are dates that you can do you know the playing football or whatever dress up like even the the fake proposal dates are stupid but at least they're you know respectful i just don't get what is what is the show trying to to be is it people who are you know good jobs and good careers and and middle class you know upstanding people or is it you know guys lining up in speedos where they have to block out everyone's junk and then you know making out with their fingers i just it's like what are we doing here we couldn't think of anything better to watch and for them to do they're building a connection with rachel by kissing their their thumbs like what i i I, that i don't understand what's going on first of all the Makeout session that they walked into was a one out of ten in terms of a steamy makeout session. It was disgusting and absolutely disgusting, and it was choppy. It was awful. It looked unnatural. So if you're taking that as like the paradigm of romance and you know sexual chemistry, that's not what it looks like. All right, don't let that fool you. So that was number one. Number two was. The, the the kissing the thumbs is so awful. Like this awful. was, I really think this was the worst, the worst group date in the history of the show. It it, it was. I, mean, I haven't seen the whole history of the show, but it was definitely a, a, a down there. Since I've been watching, date. this was by far the worst. By far they, the worst. Uh, before before the French kissing your own fist was the uh, flirting exercise, which was horrendous. There was the guy who cried with Rachel on the date. He Put her in a chokehold. He, he looked like he never spoke to a girl in his life. And listen, I'm not, I for sure on a date, like on an activity like this, I'm not saying I would win this date. But the guy went up and, li- and, and looked like he had never spoken to a girl in his life. He immediately put her in a chokehold. He, she was like, is this how you flirt with girls? Like gasping for air. He's like, I hope not, immediately admitting that this is horrendous. And then he, I think at one point, literally said, this is so bad. And it was like, just her horrible. Like, none of them were really good. Like, none of them stood out, except, um, is this where, oh, this was after, after that part. After the French kissing, I was like, I, I thought to myself, how low is the show going to go? And the next scene was Rachel smelling armpits. Blindfolded Rachel, licking and smelling armpits. And I I said, I was like, I guess it can go lower. Like, what are we doing? How do the producer, like, just like, uh, oh, we need to fill another 10 minutes. Why don't we blindfold Rachel and have her smell and lick armpits? Like, what what, what are connections are they building from that? I had nothing. Um, And then they did poem reading, right? That was the last part. Now, Tyler takes out a poem that he says he wrote the night prior and was hoping for a chance to read it. You're telling me Tyler wrote a poem the night before, kept it in his pocket that day, and was fortunate enough for the group date to include a poem reading part? That seems a little too suspect for me. Uh, I don't know why Tyler, of all people, would, would... somehow have known 
but it just seems what are the odds that that would happen? Because that basically got him the one-on-one with Rachel because his poem was so nice, which it was. I just thought, give me a break. He has a handwritten poem in his pocket ready to read. I just, it did not seem believable. Terrible. Absolutely terrible. And considering it was on the heels of Rachel being so over-the-top emotional about nonsense, that made it even worse. So... Let me ask you this uh, final question. So, and I'm, and I'm having like a senior moment. What was the guy's name who's basically going to be switching sides? Uh, t- um, lo- uh, Logan. Logan. So we both knew that there was going to be one, right? Yeah. So how do we think this plays out? Because yeah, by the I way, because I don't yeah. think that they're just going to send Logan home quick. Like I think they're gonna that Gabby's gonna keep him on for a little bit longer, probably because the producers of the show are like Gabby, you gotta you gotta milk this a little bit, and it's gonna drive Rachel crazy. What do you think? So, um, first of all, the situation with Logan is exactly what I was referring to when talking about the rose ceremony, where those people did reject the rose, and Rachel got really upset. Their other option was to not reject the rose and do what Tyler has done, not Tyler, what Logan has done and accept roses from a girl he does not want to pursue. And let's see how badly Rachel cries from this. I'm sure it will be a lot. Uh, we do see in the, in the scenes for next episode of um, Logan joining the Gabby crew. So we know Rachel doesn't send them home. I do agree with you completely that producers will require Gabby to keep him on through at least one rose ceremony. And I do agree that Rachel will not be happy about it. Uh, ultimately, I don't think Gabby is going to choose him. Uh, and I, he probably would get sent home immediately. But I do think they want to milk the, the trade for at least one episode. Do you think Gabby and Rachel are going to be really good friends after this? It's hard to say without really seeing how this ends. And I say it ends when we're really like, are we even halfway through the season? I still feel like we're not even halfway through the season. So a lot. And there aren't that many guys left. A lot of them have been weeded out because of the new format. Right. Five or six left for each. So maybe it goes a little faster. Like, are are we up to like hometowns in two weeks? Um, I, without knowing how it plays out, I do think they are still friends. I do think when you have the bond that they had from both Clayton season and this season, that you become friends. You know, I would like to say for life, but you know, at least for the foreseeable future, I do think they have a genuine friendship and they do really like each other. So I would hope actually that nothing that happens actually ends their friendship uh, because that wouldn't be, nice of of the show and the producers. Uh, So I would say that they're still friends today. Um, But I really wanted to get, and I'll I'll go quickly, the Hayden date with or time with Rachel, where he brings in his photo album of his dog. And you and I are both- Take it away. We, We missed this. Take it away. You and I are both very, very big dog people. Yes. Uh, I have a dog. You have a, a dog. Or your family, you grew up with a dog. Your family has a dog, correct? And we are there. There's of all people to have sympathy for someone with a dog that is dying and has cancer. Like 
me and you are at the top of the list. We are very respectful of that. Uh, it just seemed like he knew he was probably the next to go. And this was a last ditch effort to get a pity rose. And so he brings in his dog album, tells Rachel, you think, I mean, I know this is like a selfish perspective, but Rachel is dressed up, probably been drinking, is looking forward to spending time with people. You think she wants this buzzkill of a story that the guy's dog has four months to live and his face was caving in? I mean, it looked like they were looking at pictures of this dog with cancer and like she didn't want to look. Oh, I th- hold on. I thought the, I thought the pictures of of... I'm sorry. I just had like a, a spasm. I thought the pictures <laughs> were of the dog when the dog was healthy. So I, I, I think it could be a, a combination. I think it could be like uh, uh, both. I mean, but it could be just also healthy. That's true. Um, but whatever it was like to completely kill the mood with that story, which again, very upsetting, but like time and place, like not the time or the place. Secondly, but she ate it I, up. She no, ate it she, up. she did not eat it up. She was not, if she ate it up and she was like a real dog person, she would have reacted differently. Like uh, uh, for all Rachel cries, she did not shed a tear for this dog who has cancer. She was trying to get through the date politely and saying, you know, I'm so sorry. Like, like uh, that's like the bare minimum you say. Um, but she was not feeling that. And I, I would say she was wondering what the hell is going on. I also say about Hayden, like if your dog has three months to live, how are you, you go don't on the go, show? you don't go on the show, right, right? Where you might miss the last three months of his life. And I'm not doubting that he loves this dog. I think his last, you know, 30 seconds on screen when he was just talking about his dog, like I, I, I think he does love this dog, but that is just, in my opinion, as a dog owner, a horrendous decision then to go on the show when your dog just got diagnosed with cancer and has very little time to live. So that yeah. was my question. The best thing, though, was after that date and uh, Meatball. Um, Wait, hold on. Take before you go to that. Okay, so. Yeah. So, but Rachel wasn't like so dead set on sending him home. Until Meatball no. came over the top and snitched. Right. She, we don't know that she, she probably wasn't dead set, but I still am uh, not sure he would have gotten a rose. Um, also, by the way, that, that conversation got interrupted by I forget who. And Rachel was just like, sure, sure. Yes, you can come in. We can end this. Because she wanted to end that date ASAP. Um, but anyway, so Meatball's the snitch. He tells Rachel the things Hayden has said. Comparing comparing them to his exes, it was just a great conversation that he had with the guys in the house. Um, I wasn't sure if if Meatball had said that Hayden had made a comment about breasts. I, I wasn't sure, but then that was confirmed because Rachel said it. So my favorite part by far uh, was Rachel coming, grabbing Hayden, bringing him aside, saying that whole interaction with, you know why we're talking? And Hayden thinking that it was about the dog and that she wanted to continue hearing about the dog or something to that effect. And Rachel's facial reactions were amazing. She was 
just her she was like her eyes got big she was covering her face she could not believe that hayden was seriously thinking that rachel just angrily pulled him aside to continue having the dog conversation uh and that was just a, a great reaction on rachel's part but then that whole conversation she was like refusing to just send him home and was like i really don't think we're gonna be able to recover from this. like just send him home like i don't like you i don't you know i don't believe she's like i don't believe you how can i continue what, uh, stop asking rhetorical questions just send him home it's done it's over like i think gabby would have just been more straightforward in that situation and like been like peace i don't even like you and and rachel like got very emotional and personally you know took it very personally it's like, no, you don't like him. No one likes him. He doesn't really like either of you. So just like, bye. And then, but, but that I, whole Hayden situation one question was about great. this first, about this guy Hayden? Yeah. So yeah. obviously all the vitriol that went his way was because he told Gabby that yes. she was rough around the edges, right? He used Correct. those terms, which is basically yeah. a term that Gabby used to describe herself. Correct. So like, I thought, how mad I could thought... you possibly get? Correct. I thought it was a little overblown. You know, it's not like he called her. I mean, I guess he did in private and call both of them or say, can't trust these bitches. But you could say meaner things to someone. However, there are things you can say about yourself that doesn't mean that someone else should say it to you. Like, yeah, you know, like, especially a guy the edges, who's like... That's the trigger? I know. It's not right. So it's not probably not trigger worthy um and i'm sure they wanted them to make a big deal of it but i also just think from like a tax standpoint you can just tell gabby and, and people did this like and said to rachel also listen you're great you're pretty i would love to hang out with you all the time however my like you know my emotional feelings are more towards Rachel and I hope you can respect that that's how I feel that's all you really have to say like you don't have to start insulting the person and you know say our values and even saying our values don't align like that's not harsh okay your values don't align I mean I don't know what that means exactly but like you don't have to start insulting them by saying you're rough around the edges it just you know use some as we say use some say uh, you just be you don't need a you don't need a to add that in was it the biggest deal no um but it was clearly not the only thing hayden did you know compared to none of these hold a candle to my exes nearly these girls he said um I'm yeah sure that, say that something is, about that's the one that that really gets you into trouble now he didn't say that to gabby that would have been funny if he said listen you don't even hold a candle to my ex that would have been something gabby could get upset about but i don't even know why you say it in the house like you know you're wearing a microphone you know they're going to use it um you just i mean i guess at some point you don't even realize you're wearing that microphone because you're wearing it all day um but uh yeah i mean i don't i didn't i didn't i don't think we we see now i think also as we went on that like that wasn't the only thing hayden quote unquote did wrong like he's he's got some flaws no question about it i just thought that they made such a big deal about the rough around the edges comment it was just like this is why the guy is so hated. And again, probably a lot of that has to do with the editing of the show, but it just, it was just so, so overblown. All right. So yeah. last, last thing. 
Last, last thing. Yeah. Your prediction for who's at the end of this for yeah, Gabby so, and Rachel. I mean, Gabby is really tough. Like, I, I have a hard time even remembering which guys are in her group right now because none of them besides me have stood out. And as I've said, I don't think Nate wins. So I, it's really hard for me to pick a favorite. Like, I can't even think who else is in her group. Is it Jason? I know, obviously, he was at the one-on-one, but, like, we neither of us think he's that guy. And I, I think, you know, if, you, if they're betting odds, what, what are the odds for, you know, not engaged, you know, no winner? Because that's probably what I would choose for Gabby. Yeah. I'm with you on that one too. I don't think she picks anybody, but I guess I guess if she had to, I'd I'd say Jason. I wouldn't feel good yeah. about it. And for Rachel, I think it's it's Tino. Yeah, so Rachel, Tino definitely was the favorite coming in. Then they had the one-on-one, which I thought was a really good date. Um, if I remember correctly, they made crepes, which I think is a great yes. date. Um, lots of kissing. Um, and seems like he is the favorite. And it wasn't awkward kissing. It actually not awkward crazy. kissing. Like I think he knew what they like were doing. Genuinely, a nice guy, a good guy. Um, so I thought he was. Um, I thought he was the favorite. But then that Tyler date. Like I also just like Tyler. He doesn't seem like one of these superficial Jack Diesel guys who's like constantly doing curls by the pool. He seems like more normal and relatable and then their date went really well so he was kind of like a late riser in my odds as the episode was ending. um but if i had to make a bet i'd go with tino he was he got the first impression rose i believe so he's kind of been the favorite since day one so until he really messes up uh he's probably the favorite um the one last thing i just thought about for gabby rough around the edges is it could be also we've heard gabby speak about her, her non-existent relationship with her mom and you know does that she feels like that that makes her this like broken or unlovable person which which i think is what caused her to you know call herself rough around the edges so it's one thing to like think about it for yourself and especially if you think about a, uh, a, you think that about yourself then it's doubly hard to take when someone else says it to you that they think it because all that does is reinforce that your beliefs and thoughts about yourself are true. And if they're negative thoughts about yourself and they get reinforced, that's painful to talk about. So for, you know, me and you and, and, and someone in a normal situation, yeah, rough around the edges is like, it's an insult, but you know, we've both been called worse, but for someone like her, it could, you know, be more difficult for her to hear. Um, but you know, again, it's hard to know what's the show, what's real. Yeah, I think this has been an absolutely brutal, brutal season. Um, I'm really not enjoying this whatsoever. I mean, I'm enjoying it, but I'm not because I just think it. I think it's awful. I, I have such a bad taste in my mouth after that group date with Rachel with the romance. It's just so bad. Yes, uh, can I, if I can put you on the hot spot for a yes. rapid fire three second question. Any of these guys bachelor potential? I don't see it. Do you? 
Tino couldn't be the bachelor if he didn't win? No, no, I don't too, think so. Too vanilla? Way too vanilla. I mean, Clayton yeah. was vanilla, but like, this is like next right. level. Clayton was vanilla and dumb. So that was kind of a good combo. Uh, okay. So none of these guys. All right. Rough. Rough. It's not great. It's not great. But yeah, Shy, this was this was awesome. I really appreciate it. And uh, good luck this weekend. I'll speak to you soon, bud. Thanks so much. All right. Yep. See ya. Bye. Thanks again to recurring guest Shy Elberger, a very versatile recurring guest for coming on to talk a myriad of topics. We had a little Giants, a little Nick's Donovan Mitchell trade potentially, and a lot of Bachelorette talk. The versatility is astounding on this guy. And obviously we're going to talk to him a lot more as football season comes closer and closer. That's episode 168 for the love of the game. Take us out, Wale. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.